Hello. Do you want to play a game? The Scene on Screen podcast presents Three Men and a Meeple. Are you interested in playing games that don't appear on a screen? Well, that's why we're here. Join David, Sean, and Owen while they talk about all things tabletop. Now pass the dice, because our next turn starts now. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our most recent, our newest episode of Three Men and a Meeple. You have me, David. We have Owen, and we have Sean, as always. Hello. What's up? How's it, how's it going, guys? Real good. We have a special episode today. We uh, we had to take a little break for our regular listeners because uh, Sean and I had done uh, a special E3 episode related to video games that took our regular th- Meeple's time slot last week, right? And, you know, board games aren't as important as video well, games. They're well, board games played on a TV. <laughs> kind of. Does that make them so, better? Uh, well, it depends on who you ask. So we have a special episode today. <laughs> um, we have spoken a few times about our favorite, one of our favorite games, uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill. Did I say that right? I don't know. How, how does it go again? I Betrayal keep saying, at House on the Hill. I keep saying uh, Betrayal at the House on the Hill. <laughs> I didn't realize I was saying it so wrong. And I've been I saying thought it, like it was that on the Hill. Yeah, so we have a special episode today where we're going to discuss a little bit about Betrayal at House on the Hill. Um, This is a game that I think at some point everyone plays at least once. Um, Sean had just recently heard about it because of us, huh? I wouldn't say heard about it because I heard about it years ago. I just never played it. And as I said in episode maybe one or two... It's not that I didn't want to play it. It's the people or somebody I was with that didn't want to play with it or play it. Oh, yes. Well, now you have a a loving group of friends who will always want to play board games with you. All the board games. So (laughs) a few minor details about Betrayal at House on the Hill. This is a game that is for three to six players. So you need at least three people to play. It's not one of these games where you can kind of finagle one person playing two characters because eventually someone uh, becomes a traitor and then the game turns from a co-op game to a one versus all game. That would be fun though. If it was like one person playing two characters, one person's the traitor, the other per- and, and the other character they're playing is like not. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to kind of change themselves. potentially who is uh, whoever's like the traitor would have to give up one of their characters, but yeah. uh, three to six isn't sorry. Three to six is like you want at least four five minimum yeah yeah and and the playtime says about 60 minutes but um in my experience it's usually more like two hours almost and uh if you guys are looking this up the current as of recording rating on board game geek is a 7.1 and before the show owen and i got into uh, a little bit of a discussion on whether or not the board game geek rating is accurate for uh just games in general and I use it as a general consensus of how a game is, not so much on how the well, game actually is. Well, even like um, Gloomhaven, yeah. they 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 pretty much went out there and were like, "All right, everybody, rate this one." And it was rated number one on Board Game Geek before the game was even released, and it's mm-hmm. been one the whole time because they just had people like 
frantically rating it like whatever it is, like 10 out of 10. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. kind of, it's hard to tell, but like 7.1 in general is really high. Usually if it's over like a six or a five, it's going to be a decent game. Yeah, my experience, if a game is a six, I might like it. So uh, before we get into the actual history of Betrayal, and uh, just to preface, seeing Betrayal at House on the Hill is like a tongue twister after the seventh time. So a lot of people just actually refer to the game as Betrayal. Um, so, so what's what's your guys' experiences with the game Betrayal at House on the Hill? Uh, well, for me, it was uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill was the very first modern game that I played. I think I said this in another episode. But yeah, it was the first modern game that I played. I went to a friend's house and just to hang out. And there were a bunch of people there. And they're like, oh, hey, we want to play this game. And I'm like, oh, board games. Like at the time, I wasn't into board games. And being said, this is the game that got me into Yeah, games. you still had chains on your pants, didn't you? No, actually, you know what? I might have <laughs> still, had, I still might have had a mohawk at that point. I think I did. So this is a long time ago, um, but yeah, they um, they broke at this game, and I was, you know, I was a little nervous because there's, you know, you got to learn all the rules, just like any new gamer. Um, and yeah, it was just such a fantastic time building the mansion, exploring all these events happening, and then the end, like the big finale, when when things go sour, uh, the whole house was being sucked into hell from the basement up. So every round you flip over tiles to show that that room is now gone. And one of the players who triggered the haunt was stuck in the basement and they didn't have the stairs. So they were frantically running from room to room, trying to find the stairs while the, the whole house is disappearing behind them. And every round it was like, Oh my God, like, are they going to make it? Are they going to make it? It was this really exciting, like, Holy crap. And very last minute before their tile gets sucked into hell or whatever um they find the stairs and they're able to escape i forget if we actually won that one but uh it was it was really intense and it really i was like oh my god i gotta get a copy of this and i think i picked it up like as soon as possible yeah not bad uh i mean mine's a lot less exciting as i said the first time we played it somebody was like i don't want to play a game it's complicated and kind of disappeared then i played with you guys digitally and I mean, I feel like as if I was robbed from the experience of being able to play the game like hand, like in hand and like feeling the cards and like really feeling the atmosphere change around the room. Because like, yeah, you can play it online like we've been playing. It's just you don't feel super. Um, yeah, like you don't, you don't controlled the in that the story, right? Like it's. Okay, it's my turn. Oh, okay, I forgot to hit next turn. And there's always like those little complications that kind of happen. But it's still it's still fun to get into. It's just mm-hmm. I think it might have been more immersive and I'm really upset at the the fact that my first time I was robbed from that submersive experience because I wasn't with a group of people inside the same room. Yeah, that's definitely a thing like uh... Yeah. I'd agree. Sorry, okay, go ahead, Owen. Oh, you just get, no, you get that, um, you know, if you get a group of people, you got six people, they're all sitting around and they're like exploring this house together. They're flipping cards. And like you said, you get to move stuff. And, and when you get everybody together and you get everybody excited, everybody just kind of like feeds off of that excitement. If something big's happening, everybody's like, oh my God, like uh, really into that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when you're playing online, you do get 
some of that. Like you get those moments, you're like, oh, that's great. But I, yeah, I think it's it's not as uh, intense as when you're with other people, like in playing in person. Well, yeah, and, and I think that's just a, what makes board games in general so different than playing, you know, any other video game or or even you know board games on tabletop simulator or tabletopia, right? That that experience of actually being at the table with your friends and feeding off the energy in the room, you know, uh, it's unfortunate that, yeah, one of, uh, Sean's first times playing the game, we were in a situation, uh, globally where we weren't able to actually get together at the same table and play. Um, but I think on tabletop simulator, you have a very good experience of the game itself. Like, um, from actually playing with the components that they put into the game and how the game actually plays out, it is very similar to if you're playing it on someone's kitchen table, right? Um, my first experience was very similar to Owen's, except I had you know grown up playing some board games, but had a lot of like the classic stuff, you know, like the Monopolies, the Scrabbles. I played a lot of Clue. Clue was my jam when I was younger. Clue is still great. Clue is such a good game. You should play Clue. Um, we always talk about playing Clue. I want to play Clue. We'll play, we'll play Clue after we record this episode. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and it was very similar. You know, someone had brought this game over, and uh, he's just like, oh, I just bought this game. I saw it. They were talking about on uh, like a YouTube show that he was watching. And we're like, okay, well, this seems kind of interesting didn't know much of it and brought it over and i i can't say that your that the scenario that you had the first time you played on with like the f- tiles like the floors falling apart and stuff like that um was exactly the same one that we did but i do remember playing that one and it can get pretty intense but uh i remember playing one with uh where i ended up being the traitor and my guy turned invisible and I had to go around and like kill everyone and they had to, Oh, so good. and it was so much fun because I, like everyone else became so frustrated <laughs> with not knowing where I was. Um, we were playing with someone who automatically assumed that I was cheating, uh, because right. I took my player character off the board. Um, and I was just kind of marked down where I was and they didn't know where I was and I didn't have to tell them where I was. And they just like, Oh, you're just doing whatever you want. Like you're just cheating. Eventually they won, um, just because they cornered me into a position and they had like a, they just had a lucky roll. And this person's attitude changed completely from being like, Oh, like screw this game. You're just, you're just cheating to, Oh, we kicked your ass, like, <laughs> just going crazy, right? Um, but unfortunately, like, you know, like, playing on Tabletop Simulator, the digital version, you, you don't really get those experiences, right? That energy in the room when we played was just kind of, it was just through the roof. Um, and I've played it probably about, I want to say about a dozen times over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um and every time we play, because there's the possibility of a different um, haunt happening, the game is different every time. You know, like no two mansions that you explore are going to be the same. Yeah. Um, no, and and that's the thing. I think that's one of the things I love about it the most is that 
there's so much replayability. Like I've played it, I don't know, also maybe like 20 times and I haven't, I don't think I've ever got the same haunt twice. And that's to say, like, I haven't even played through all the haunts. There's tons that I haven't played through yet and I haven't read through the book at all. So like, I still have some pretty great surprises coming mm-hmm. my way when I do play it again. Mm-hmm. So I'm really looking forward to that. You know? So uh, a little back history on Betrayal at House on the Hill. Um, the game originally came out in 2004. Um, it was made, and it still is, uh, published by Avalon Hill. They make games such as Risk, Axis and Allies, Robo Rally. Um, I guess they also did some D&D stuff in Magic the Gathering. I think Avalon Hill um, is, a, is a sister company yeah. to Wizards of Wiz- the Coast, which does D&D and Magic the Gathering. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Um there was a second edition of the game released in 2010, which had some rule clarification and some component changes. And it's if you actually go on uh, the Board Game Geek page for this, there's a lot of uh, people posting images of the room tiles. I think it's the, this updated room tiles are were all like curved. They're oh. all like uh, bending and stuff like that. So there's pictures of people like with their room tiles and like vices. Just- flatten them out oh it's funny um and against uh popular belief the title of the game is called betrayal at house on the hill yeah not betrayal at the house on the haunted hill yeah or, or whatever we were at the haunted it. house on the hill so you know. i thought they should always maybe they should do betrayal comma or whatever colon at or betrayal yeah like something house on the hill or they then they could do like betrayal Colon this right like yeah I don't know. the grammar just doesn't really make sense yeah it's it's just so you're like I want to play betrayal the house on the hill or whatever it is and yeah it's just so wordy um so Does it not there make are sense or did nobody ever tell you the right name <laughs> oh I don't know I just I, I just kind of like glossed over it like whatever this game is I just call it betrayal everybody just calls it yeah betrayal. everyone calls it betrayal um so there are currently five games in the betrayal collection as I call it so there's five different or five um. One one of them is an expansion, but uh, so the original game was designed by Bruce Glasgow, uh, and there's a few other designers on there, but he was like the main brains behind the game. Um, there's other iterations and expansions that had other designers and contributors. Um, Rob Davo, I yeah, don't know that's how to that. Davu Dav, Davu he um actually designed a lot of like the pandemic legacy games. And he actually worked on the Betrayal Legacy game. That makes sense. Um, so, the, like I said earlier, the original game was released in 2004 with a second edition released in 2010. And I would say most likely, uh, most people probably have the second edition. Yeah, I don't I remember when I, when I got my copy, it was actually really hard to find a copy. I don't think I got it in 2010, but I think they were between print runs. Um, It'd be interesting to see a copy like from 2004 and then like see like, Mm -hmm. like the rules differences and stuff. Yeah. And uh, pretty much, I I bet you have a better chance of finding a first edition from like a thrift store or something. Yeah. Uh, In 2016. So six years later, after the second edition came out, uh, Widow's Walk was released, and it is the first and currently only expansion for the base game. Uh, that added 20 new room tiles. It added the roof, or like the upper floor, 
So there's three floors, six floor, uh, 30 new cards and 50 new haunts. So if you played the base game a lot and went through all the haunts, you could get the widow's walk and, um, added, add another 50 haunts. Yeah, so that's a hundred, hundred haunts. Like even if you played this game, you know, like you, you would never be able to get through all the haunts. You would probably hit doubles and stuff, but like, that's so much content that, you know, you'll probably never even get to see like there's so much someone probably did a calculation on how many times you'd have to play the game to actually get to play all 100 haunts yeah that's like including the possibilities of of doubles and stuff like that right yeah it's also really cool for widow's walk they did um all like all the haunts are actually written by other game designers so they had um some of the haunts are written by the guys who made cards against humanity or the people who made pandemic so like a lot of that content will have like features over the other games and stories made by a lot of other designers. It's it's mm-hmm. really cool. Uh, so shortly after the release of Widow's Walk, um, a Dungeons and Dragons version came out, or th- a D and D themed version called Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. I've actually never played this one. I have. I played it. I think I've played it once or twice. I do have it. Um, it is cool. It definitely like instead of building a mansion, you're uh, exploring the uh, like the underground and everything of Baldur's Gate. So like the sewers and like the taverns and everything. And you it's, could play that after playing uh, Lords of Waterdeep or something like that. Yeah, you could do like a <laughs> whole a, theme. Keep a theme going. Yeah, yeah, but it's cool. Like because every character has special abilities, so you have like elves and dwarves, and they each have something they do that's particular to them. And then instead of facing like a ghost or something, you're usually battling like a dragon or something. So somebody will either like take the place of that dragon, and you're like fighting mm-hmm. them, right? Um, it, it's the same, like it's the same mechanics, but it's just the theme. They did a really good job, like having that Wizards of the Coast, you know, partner there to like help mm-hmm. them. They did a really great job with it. And then in 2018, this is where I was super, super excited for this game. I had never owned a copy of Betrayal because my friend had it, and I could just play it with whenever we would go over there. Um, but they announced a legacy version of the game coming out called Betrayal Legacy, of course. Um, so it was released in 2018. And there was a lot of hype for this version of the game. I remember reading up on uh, the Board Game Geek forums and on the Board Game subreddit that there was a lot of questions about it. People were super excited for the designer uh, which was day, uh, wait, hold on. What was his name? Rob De- Devu, Davo. Um, it's your boy. Yeah. Davu. <laughs> and so, but there's also some concerns about the legacy aspect of the game because ha- you guys have played Pandemic Legacy or no? I no, played Pandemic. I am, I am not a fan of legacy games, to be honest, just my, me personally. So I really haven't played them. So, yeah, so the Pandemic Legacy games, and this is what a lot of people kind of have difficulty with for those ones, is that once you play through all X number of scenarios, the game is done. You can physically not play it again because components are damaged or destroyed. The board is marked up, all that stuff. Um, So that was a big concern about Betrayal Legacy is how long can you play the game? So it came out, um, it has 
a, a prologue, so a very short introduction that kind of helps you set up the game, and then a 13-chapter story that takes place over multiple decades. So you play as characters from an individual family, um, and those can, can continue on into future games if the character still li- like survives. Um, but then one cool thing, though, is that once you finish playing through the 13 chapters you have a fully customized game that then you can play in a scrimmage mode like the core base betrayal at house on the hill okay that's cool so when i found out about that that was uh, i was super excited for that one um and actually my lovely significant other who i'm not allowed to talk about um no oh, that's on the other <laughs> show you can talk about oh, her yeah, on the we show. can talk about her uh angela was very <laughs> nice and uh bought me a copy of betrayal legacy for my birthday back in 2019. So um, we're going to talk a little bit more about betrayal legacy um, in a bit, but (laughs) that is probably the, uh, I want to say that is kind of like the, um, the premium edition of the betrayal. So you you have your copy and you've played your copy a bit. Yes. yeah, well, my copy is still untouched. I have it on my shelf, and I and I think I've had it for like, I think I got it as soon as it came out, and I haven't played it at all. You're missing out. I know. I want to play it now. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, and so then the 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 last and latest edition uh, in the Betrayal collection just came out recently, just came out last year, and it is a Scooby-Doo-themed version called Betrayal at Mystery Mansion. Um, so this version is aimed at younger players um, or fans of Scooby-Doo. Uh, <laughs> it includes uh, 25 haunts based off of episodes from the show. Uh, it is designed to play in a shorter time period, so 25 to 50 minutes as opposed to the uh, 60 minutes of <laughs> the regular portrayal. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but probably the biggest change in the game is that players can volunteer to be the trader instead of it being left up to chance. Um, so just like as a general thing, if you're playing a game of regular betrayal with say you have four people who are experienced and you have one newbie first time playing and they become the traitor, you, uh, you do have, I'm not sure if this is in the rule book or if this is just a house rule that I've picked up and it's just like stuck in my brain, but uh, you can be like, Oh, Hey, I'll be the traitor. Like, we'll just finagle it so I'm the traitor. So if you're, like, feeling overwhelmed or, like, something you're, like, not comfortable with doing right away, like, you don't know all the rules mm-hmm. that well, you can just do that, which I feel like it's good. They're just like, here, this is in the rules. I'll have to double-check the rule book to yeah. see if that's actually... The only requirement I feel is that you would have to swap items that you have. Mm, that makes sense. Right? Because sometimes you characters will have an item that they need to use to complete uh, or defeat the traitor or whatever right. it may be. Right? Or maybe so, even, like, swap you're like meeples or you're like mm-hmm. movers or whatever, right? That makes yeah. sense. That's that's a good point. Um, but yeah, like with with the Scooby Doo version, it's just so funny. I was reading um, I was reading Board Game Geek comments about it the other day, where people are like, you know, these like, you know, really intense games being like, oh, this game's too easy. I'm like, well, yeah, you're like, this is meant for kids. It's really this yeah. is Clue Junior. Come on, guys, let's go. Yeah. Um, it's funny because uh, I, I'm planning on going on a, a trip out out west this uh, late summer um, to visit some family, and I have two um, 
two nieces that are right around the age of being able to play board games or, or, or things that require more cognitive ability, right? Hmm. Um, so this is actually something that I've considered purchasing out there to give to them so that, uh, one, I can play a copy, <laughs> a version of Betrayal <laughs> with them when I'm out there, nice. but also kind of to maybe help get them into more of the uh, more advanced board games and stuff like that. But it's uh, funny, yeah, there's more games like that coming out, like My Little Scythe. Like somebody made a, a copy of Scythe for kids, which, you know, so. For just, kids and David. And David, yeah. <laughs> for kids and David. I think it says that right in the box. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so now that we've kind of gone over a little bit of the different editions, I know that for the most part, though, we have collectively only played the base game, and that's what we're here to talk about. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about our own feelings individually about Betrayal. Uh, I want to say, because, Sean, you most recently played for the first time. Uh, I want to know kind of how you feel feel about it. Well, David, I'm glad you asked. Puts down my bourbon, picks up a cigar. No, the game's pretty sweet. Um, the long and short of it for me, I guess, is I've been looking for slash craving a game like this where you get to kind of explore and then it's all bets are off and you have to work together to try and either win the game or you work alone to try and kill somebody. Fortunately, fortunately for me, I would say the one thing that I really appreciated in my few games played is I haven't been the, the person who started the haunt because I think Uh, it would have been a little bit more confusing for me mm. not being in person wanting to ask those questions. I know uh, in the one game that we played, which you guys will be seeing up on our YouTube, we got into a situation where um, the person who was conducting the haunt had some questions while doing the haunt. And it also led to a little bit of a, a hijinks and Owen trying to be the nice guy that he is. You're like, ah, it's okay. You can you can go back and fix your turn. Well, that's the thing. So when, when somebody triggers the haunt, the haunt, the person who is the haunt revealer, I think. So it could be like if you trigger the haunt, it might even be the person to your left or your right or the person with the highest movement, whatever. It might be a person with a specific item or whatnot. Right, yeah. But they have to take the book, the haunt book, and leave the room and read it. So if you're if this is your first or second or even third time playing, and you have your own set of rules you need to follow to uh, you know figure out how to win. And if you have any questions that might you know spoil something or, or give something away that the people aren't supposed to know right away. Mm-hmm. Well, I I think that is probably the strongest weak point of <laughs> the biggest weak point of the game is once the haunt starts because even the the last few times that we played uh well like the first time that we played together i was i triggered the haunt and i ended up being the traitor in that scenario and i've played the game you know a few dozen times i know how it works but the instructions the rule set for each individual haunt is different because it adds different mechanics that aren't in the base game so the first one that we played right this was the first time that we played with sean as well 
where I was the trader. I became this double headed snake and I had these different rule set for character movement, my goals, what I had to do to like attack people if I wanted to and vice versa and all this stuff. So there's a, I find myself having to reread the rule set for the trader or even when I'm not the trader, the, the what's it called? The secrets of survival from that book. So that's like everyone oh, right. else's. Um, yeah. Like, that's that's like, what the sur- yeah. survivors have to do. Like right. that's their rule set. I find that I end up having to read them over multiple times just to try and understand what they're talking about. Yeah. They try to break it down in the rule book. So like, this is where, this is what's happening. This is what you want to do. And this is how you win. Like it's, Bro- it, it, it's broken down in a, in a good way, but yeah, you do have some extra rules you got to read. You got to have a decent understanding of the rule book. So, mm. or like how things work. So like, if this is your first or second time and you're like, Oh, I don't want to be the, I don't want to, you know, be the trader and like somebody else should step up and be like, okay, you're not comfortable. Maybe mm. next time after a few plays, you'll be more mm. comfortable and you want to take that on. Oh, 100%. I had like anxiety the whole time. I was like, I don't want to be it. I don't want to be it. I don't want to be it. I didn't know Angela didn't play as many either. So like, I kind of felt bad when she was one. Honestly, Angela has played the same amount of times as you. (laughs) Yeah. So like, it solidifies my bad feeling. Yeah. Now, being a new player, though, how did you feel it was? uh, What was your experience learning the game? Like, And I think we did the best that we could to explain how to play the game. And I know that you learn games better by actually playing, right? Mm -hmm. But with board games, with any board game, you have to have a general understanding, like an overview of the overall game play. So trying to explain to you the different mechanics, uh, different components, characters, stuff like that. But then actually, once we started getting into the game, you know, being someone who, your first time playing, especially on a digital platform. So you had that also that learning curve as well. Um, I don't know. How did you feel about learning this one specifically? It was, I think a little bit harder because again, you're not physically feeling or touching things. So that muscle memory you develop when you play certain board games, especially like, Um, like if you refer to something like the pandemic or horrified, you have things that you have to do throughout your turn and then you complete your turn by completing a task and you always do the same thing to complete your task. And you have that muscle memory being like, okay, I've drawn this card. This has happened to turn over without the digital prompt I would get from the game. I wouldn't sometimes realize my turn was over. I would like go to a room, I would roll the dice. And if there was no event that was happening with the dice or whatever, it would just be an end turn. And I'd be constantly reminded like, Hey, finish your turn. And I'm like focused on playing and trying to learn the game. Mm-hmm. But I, I think teaching games digitally is a lot harder than in person because I, like, as I did say to you guys, I was like, okay guys, enough with like the rules, just show me how to play by like opening, like let's play the first few hands. Let's, get used to it. If I have any questions, I'll I'll kind of continue because you can only take on so much information, but it's a lot easier to have or to give somebody their attention when they're right beside you opposed to just talking digitally over a microphone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's also, it's also difficult. Sorry, it's also also difficult to explain a game on uh, like tabletop simulator because you don't know if that person's looking at what you're looking at. Yeah, no, 100%. You're like and I I 
to this day can't remember what you have to click to like put down the little arrows. I think it's tab. It's tab or tilde key or something like that. But that, that you guys good... would be like, look here, look here, look here. And I'd be like, yeah. where am I looking? You guys are all looking at completely different things. Yeah, that that's tough. Um, but yeah, that's a good point about uh, like um, how you're learning. That's a good advice for people who want to teach the game. It's like there's only so much information you can throw at somebody be like this is moving this is attacking this is this and this and this and this before you just got to say okay let's start playing right before you completely lose them before they're like i've checked out you're you're throwing too much stuff at me like let's just get into it and start playing there's like a fine line right so i i don't think that there's too much though with betrayal um the base game to to make people kind of check out halfway through explaining it, right? Like there's, like I said earlier, there are certain basic things that you have to explain. Otherwise they're not going to know what they can do, right? Like movement is based off of your speed, right? Everyone's slightly different, but then also certain actions take uh, either a physical or a mental trait. And that's two different things on your, on your uh, character board damage can be divided up between certain things. Now those those are things that can be explained when you take damage, but the actual process of exploring the house and unveiling tiles and playing cards and collecting cards and the order of things needs to be explained and uh, unfortunately that can be kind of difficult over a digital medium. Um, but after you got the first few rounds in I I had I guess you know from my experience from what I saw you kind of had the game down. Yeah, it wasn't like don't get me wrong. I don't think it's an insanely hard game to pick up. But for me to explain it to somebody, it would be like me throwing a napkin at a wall and hoping it would stick. Huh. Well, you just got to spit on it a little bit. Yeah, you got to get get it real wet first. Yeah, yeah, you know what you know what I mean though. Like yeah. it's just. There are some things I can explain, but this game to me, if I were trying to explain it to somebody, I would be like, okay, so every turn you take, you grab a tile, you place it somewhere on the board, you go there, and if there's an event, you do it. If there's no event, you survive another round. That's a great explanation. Yeah. if you, That's exactly what the game is. If you took it down to its base <laughs> level, all you're doing is moving and flipping tiles. <laughs> and... <laughs> You're you're picking on one person in your group because you can, and constantly trying to open a vault. Yeah, we're trying to pick on David, and opening vaults is the best. I'm surprised yeah. you agree to play games with us when Owen and I constantly gang up on you. It's not even like remotely close to the, any other way. Yeah, that's that's called the love of the game, you know. Yeah, he loves the game so much he takes the abuse. Yeah, that we throw it in. It's like in a, uh, it's like a bad relationship, you know. You you beat me down, and then two minutes later, you're telling me you love me, and then I'm like, oh, okay, maybe they really do love me. You just can't leave. <laughs> just can't leave. Um, so the second time we th- we played though, what was your experience with that one? Because you know y- we had that first game under our wing, you know, we you understand the mechanics of it. So did you find that you were able to enjoy it a little more? Um. To be honest with you, yes. Um, the the biggest thing I did notice, and it was it was kind of lucky in my scenario that uh, Owen and I in both games were not the haunters. So I was able, like Owen and I already had that ability. Like we've worked together once before, so we kind of knew 
kind of how the game would go. And I was starting to understand their play styles in this era. In the second game, I was incredibly adamant about staying upstairs. And that was my focus, especially because I knew, or once we knew the haunt was activated and we were trying to figure everything out, I just, I really wanted to stay upstairs. And I don't know if it was strategic or I just thought we would be able to, Oh, it's because of what we read and how we had to do it. I was like, okay, this is great. Let's keep kind of building this way. But that was after the haunt started, though, right? You're right. You're right. Um, I just, I I felt as if because I understood the game a little bit more, I felt a little bit more persuasive in trying to, I guess, I I wouldn't say push my own agenda, but being like, hey, guys, like, I think this could work. Whereas the first game, I just kind of. You just went with whatever, you know, we lost. We lost the first game, I believe. We did. Yeah. Slippery yeah. snake over here. Slither is slither yeah. snake. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. The beginning of the game, again, like once I got up to that vault, I cared more about the vault than the rest of the game, which is my it. own fault. But it kind of worked into our contest. favor because I didn't open up more rooms upstairs. If I opened up more rooms upstairs, we might not have had the situation that we had developed. Yeah, generally you want to you want to explore as much as humanly possible. The more you explore, the more chances you have of mm-hmm getting those haunt rooms. Uh, but there's also been, I've played games where we had the haunt start very quickly. It's all in the dice roll, right? You could have a really crappy die roll. I think that's what's really makes the game great is like the random randomness of it. And I think you read a review that called it a mirror trash, but like, I love it. I don't care if it's, if it's random. Well, I think the, the thing with this game is the only real randomness to this game are those haunt rolls. Um, the combat, sure, you you roll dice and the difference, right? Like you, right, that is the most. Wins. Whoever has the highest roll was successful in the combat, and then the damage is the difference between the two rolls. Yeah, but really, the only actual randomness to the game is those haunt rolls. And in order for a haunt to start, uh, every time an omen card is drawn, the player who drew that omen card has to roll what is it five dice six dice five or six dice and they have to roll a number higher than is it the number of players playing no it's the amount of hearts that are on the table so just say like three oh that's three right other people had drawn hot cards and you just drew one you take those six dice roll them and you have to get a four or above if you roll a two or a three or a one then the haunt starts right so eventually it gets to the point where uh, it's impossible to roll higher than the number of uh, omen cards drawn. Yeah, especially the dice only have ones and twos and blanks on them. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that's really the only randomness. Now, sometimes the haunts themselves have some some aspect of randomness to it, but for the most part, it still ends up being the same kind of moving a character to another room to collect an item to do something. Yeah, and it's funny, like. The really, when you're playing the game, you want to explore. You want to get that house really big, as what as big as you can. You want as many items as you can carry because, like, they're going to come in useful later down the road. Mm-hmm. But like every time I play, I never end up using the items that I collect, and it just, you know, I should start doing that. <laughs> it might well, help us out in a bit more. It's funny because uh, the one game that we were playing that you guys were really annoying me <laughs> because you just kept going to the vault. I ended up going to the vault. <laughs> and oh, and yeah. unlocking it, and then one of the items that I had was another vault, and I had <laughs> like the a mini vault. Yeah, yeah, it was so so ridiculous. But by the time 
you know, we got those items. They were, there's some cool items, but they were, they were useless. Right. Um, we, we wasted so much time. (laughs) And I think like I've played some games where it's been very combat heavy. Um, and I played some games and well, I would say the games that we've played on tabletop simulator have been very light on the combat. There's been, there was a few incidences where, people had to do combat, but that was just because we were in such close quarters, right? Yeah. There's somewhere it's like, um, something's happening. Like, uh, I think one of them is like, uh, you, the house has been transported to outer space and the house is filling up with like this gas slowly. That's going to kill everybody. And there's an alien in the house. So you can fight the alien and kill it. It doesn't stop the gas from coming in and killing everybody. Right. That mm-hmm. one seems um, super plia- or viable. Oh yeah, like, it could happen any 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 time. Your house just disappears, goes to space. Um, but you, so you get those situations, and there's some of them that don't even have a um, don't even have a traitor. I remember there's one where your friend, you just like a random NPC or whatever, is buried in the basement under the floor somewhere, and you have to find them. And that that's like all of you. Are, oops, all of you are in it. Sorry, I just. <laughs> I feel like you scared everyone. Yeah, I'm just trying to like jump scare you all. Um, yeah, my bad. The yeah, so your friend's buried, and you're trying to find them, and everybody's working together, and you only have a certain amount of time because there's only a certain amount of oxygen left in their like grave or casket, or whatever they're buried in. So mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of different options, a lot of different. Um, you're gonna find ones like you said are combat heavy, some that are more searching, and some that are more like, you know, we got to find this stuff to get out of the house. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately. Um, Sean won't really be able to talk so much about this part, but the, uh, the, in 2018, the WizKids and Avalon Hill released a component upgrade pack. Uh, Owen, I think you have this, right? I do. I had that. They, uh, they changed the player boards. So the, the ones that are on tabletop simulator are the original ones. Now the difference between what's on there and the the actual physical game is that the physical game had these like little plastic tab arrow things that would slide onto the, the cardboard and you would, it was like a sliding um, scale. And after a while, if people took those on and off, it would just damage the cardboard. Yeah, and they would fall off. Like some, some were tighter, some were looser. So you might have one that's really tight. You'd slide it on it, would like rip up the cardboard, or you have one that's really loose, and mm-hmm. someone would like bump the table, and you'd like they just fall off. So they were terribly designed. <laughs> so, so the uh, updated player boards have updated uh, artwork, which I don't like as much as the original. It's ones. more cartoony, very like cartoony. Yeah, like it's better art, I would say, but it's doesn't fit the theme mm-hmm. as much as like the horrible looking <laughs> yeah. ones from before. And then uh, the the stats actually it turned to a a, a wheel. Yeah, so it's a dial it's instead of like a dial. The, that's it. Yeah. So I dislike that a lot. Now I I don't know how you necessarily feel about it, and um, Sean hasn't seen that. But when when you're using like the original second edition or even the first edition method of uh, the, the stat sliders, or sliders you can actually see what your next stat is going to be right. um, in, in whichever order you're going. Because the stats so, don't go in numerical order. They go like three, 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 four, five, 
five, yeah. five, right? Like, yeah. So when you take damage, and we've encountered this a few times when we played as well. Like when someone takes damage, you can divide it between two stats. So you can divide your strength or physical uh, damage between two of your physical stats, or any mental damage can be divided between your two mental stats. So by not having that slider mechanic and having it on the on the the dial, you can't really see what your next stat's going to be and whether or not you're going to die if you lower that one or if you're going to increase a whole number or whatnot. So I feel like it makes it more difficult to determine how you want to divide those, uh, like any of that damage up. Now, granted, I, I highly doubt anyone's going to be like, oh, you turn the wheel, like you have to commit to it, right? Right. Um, I always find myself just kind of like previewing like what was next a little bit, but then mm-hmm. you worry, like I worry about like, Oh, I forget where I was when I started. Uh, yeah. It's annoying. I like they they haven't figured out a really good way to, to show that maybe if there's like a, Oh, there is, I think there's an app, like a digital app that has like your player board. Anyways, I'll have to look or they that. could have just had a, a larger kind of notch cut out on mm. the board so you could see the the next two numbers. Yeah. Hmm. Or like maybe a recess board where you put like a token and it sits in like a little cutout next to it. That way it wouldn't fall off. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're just throwing out ideas here. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds super really interesting. <laughs> yeah, so, I know, right? I think it's obvious though that uh, Owen and I really enjoyed this game. We've played it Many times it was the game that got us into like the more heavy, more traditional, less traditional board games. Yeah, and um, it's just spiraled from there. Damn you, betrayal. <laughs> but Sean, given that you've heard us talk about it and then your experience, now try not to let the tabletop simulator experience hinder your overall enjoyment of the game i would say from a base kind of standpoint of the game itself how did you feel about it like did it live up to the standards that i feel like we might have given you um yeah uh to to be honest i i went in expecting a good time and i got a good time hey the cool the cool thing about the game for me anyways is like I know I have some groups of friends who would love to play this game and I have some groups of friends who would absolutely not want to play this game. Would I bust this out on a regular basis? Probably not. Why? Because I feel as if for betrayal, I have to be in a type of mood where I kind of want to be a little bit more chill with some suspense, maybe a little horror, you know, kind of spooky. Yeah. Kind of spooky. Like I know, when you, like, the three of us, like, plan our board game nights and stuff, and, like, let's face it, even when the pendulum ends, we all live far enough away that digital board games are more viable than us meeting at a house. It's an hour drive for either of us. So it's, like, mm-hmm. it's tough. Where I would rank the game, I would give it a solid 7 out of 10, and that's based off two plays. I definitely enjoy it. I definitely want to play it more. I'm very intimidated by the idea of a legacy game where the decisions I made in the first game affects the decisions I make 
and like or affects everything for the second game. But also, what happens if I die in game two? Do I not get to play anymore? You get to throw the game out. It says right in the rules. If you, as soon as you die, the game, you have to throw it in the trash. It includes a lighter for you to burn everything. Yeah. But like, well, that's a legitimate question. Like, what happens? Like, if you die, is it just game over? Or you have to re reattempt to beat game two. Well, let me tell you, this is a perfect segue into Betrayal Legacy. <laughs> so that was my big concern. Um, and Or that was one of my big concerns with Betrayal Legacy. Um, so the way that the game is set up, it's very ingenious, actually. So each story, each chapter that you play takes place, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years apart from each other. So when you play one um, one game, you say you're playing the second game, and your your character dies. You were the little girl, and I'm Zoe trained, Instagram. I'm you're Zoe, Zoe Instagram. Zoe Instagram, and you turned out to be possessed, and everyone killed you and left your remains in the the house. Well, the way that the game is set up is that you now. 50 years later are playing someone who is a descendant of that family. Yeah. Okay. So while aunt or great aunt Zoe Instagram turned crazy and you don't really know what's going on about like what happened. Now your next character, you go into the house and the way that we, we play and we played this, we, we kind of come up with like a backstory to our characters. Like why are these people there? Right. So you could say, oh, well, I'm now playing as uh, little Jimmy Instagram and I heard some stories or I found like a, a journal from my great aunt Zoe that she was going to this haunted house. And that was the last entry. And now 50 years later, I'm exploring this house to see like it's still standing and I want to see what happened. Okay. That's pretty so. Sweet. So, yeah, that's really cool. But then also, say you were Zoe Instagram and you were 12 years old and you survived. Well, now, 50 years later, you're 62 and you can still play as Zoe Instagram, but 62 years old going back to the house. Something drew drew you back into that house. Oh, that's so, that's so good. So you can continue on it, but you're not you're also not required to play the same character you could just like create a new character that's part of that family and then play as if you know nothing had happened or or you know what i mean just like a continuation so that's a really cool um aspect of the game and that's how you can kind of build your own uh family legacy so the idea is that you select a family and you play that family throughout the 13 chapters that's great. Like it really builds a story. And I love that like story storytelling element mm-hmm. in games. Um so then more so with like what other things that they changed with the the with Betrayal Legacy is they changed some of the game components. They added some game components to uh that are used for story purposes. Um they what did they do? They uh certain items and stuff like that that are added in you can you actually name the item so if uh you can get an item and turn it into an heirloom so you would name that item based like whatever you want right so you could call it zoe instagram's uh ye old camera 
for example. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So then in later games, when that item is found, it will forever be Zoe Instagram's camera. So it adds that kind of uh, backstory to some of these items that you find in the game as you play along, Um, which is kind of cool because especially if you... um, if you you had a really like epic epic story that happened one game and you find these items that came from that it kind of brings back all these memories of like oh yeah i totally remember that item when like when this thing happened right yeah um and then on top of that the the room tiles are can be physically changed as well so if someone dies and people will die their ghost is permanently affixed to that room um so certain haunts are affected by the number of ghosts in the, the in the house or in the rooms. Um, and some events, stuff like that, interact with the ghosts, stuff like that. So now forever, like if, if uh, Zoe Instagram dies in the front hallway, then forever there's always going to be a ghost in the front hallway. Oh my God, that sounds so good. Now I want to play this game. <laughs> this sounds yeah. so creepy. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm um, freaked out over here. So then one other, like another thing that I had mentioned before, uh, a big concern that people had with this one is that like other legacy games, like Pandemic Legacy, um, once you finish the campaign, you can no longer play that game. But uh, with Betrayal Legacy, you have this fully customized game, which is really cool. Um, so you don't have to create new characters. Like you just pick a character and play it, but you can see like the family history on the the cards you write down, like if they survived, if they died, if they were the traitor, how they died, all that stuff. So you see you have like a family history, but then you have a fully customized game that is can be played in a scrimmage. Um, and there are there are haunts that can, will not be activated unless you're playing in a scrimmage mode. Okay. So there's more haunts than there are chapters, and they've designed them so that specific haunts will happen uh, in the story, or like there might be a selection of a few that could be that are potentially um, able to happen. But then once you're finished, like the main thirteen story chapters you know there's going to be more so the game isn't just kind of it's not one and done done. yeah Yeah. um and then uh the game though i did find was a lot more fiddly to set up right because like right from the get-go well like this has a legacy deck right Mm -hmm. so you add new cards every time you play in another chapter um and each chapter will implement either more room tiles or other components that are are in there. Um, so there's a lot more to the setup, which the one thing that I like about Betrayal is setup is pretty straightforward. There's a lot of tokens, but yeah, you're right. Like it's like there's the decks, here's the front hallway, the top landing, your decks, your like you know, event deck, your you know, omen deck, whatever. Yeah, but the thing is, like, with tokens, though, a lot of them don't come into play unless uh, a haunt has required them. Yeah, and if you're organized... Or an event tells you, right? Yeah, if you're organized, you got them all separated. I'm not. I just put them in a bag, and I dump them out, and I separate them while I'm setting everything else up. You you monster. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's disgusting. Um, There was the biggest complaint that I have had with the 
legacy version of the game and um some of and actually a lot of people online have said this um some of the components like you actually have stickers that you have to place onto cards or tiles uh, and stuff like that I hate it. <laughs> and stickers like the adhesive on them is is just really bad right so i noticed this where certain things were falling off of like the ghosts on tiles that those were actual stickers hmm. um and they were falling off oh so like if you have like because the adhesive is not strong enough to stay permanent Right. So there's like you can take your tiles out of the room or out of the box and have a few ghost tiles or ghost stickers just like oh floating somewhere. The ghosts are in the so box. So what people have started doing is that uh, because they're just kind of like black little dots. So people have just been taking permanent markers and and uh, drawing little black circles on the tiles. Um, same thing with like people might have had to take uh, scotch tape to tape stickers down and stuff like that. So it's unfortunate because like the, the game itself is a little more expensive. I think it runs around like 80, 80 or $90 Canadian. Hmm. Um, so for something that that costs that much, um, you'd expect some higher quality stickers at least, but all the other components are actually uh, now, really nice. Is the paint job better on the minis? Um, you know what? I honestly can't remember if they're painted <laughs> really oh my god the paint job on the minis is always so bad it's terrible go check right now yeah open up the game and tell <laughs> us right now um tell us what the stickers are the stickers still on the on your board this yeah i don't think so <laughs> uh i think the the miniatures are painted yes yeah they gotta be painted but like the paint they are is- but the paint job isn't very good in general it's it's almost as bad as the originals yeah. Um, like you can't expect much. These are yeah. <laughs> seriously made in mass quantities in a like a Chinese factory, right? Like, well, they can paint better than I can. So, <laughs> well, when you paint um, nine hundred Zoe Instagrams a day, yeah, just like <laughs> slap it on, get it out of here. <laughs> you know, a machine does that, right? What? 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 Does it? No. No, it doesn't. It's a person. Yeah, hand painted. It's like Geppetto in uh, P- Pinocchio in his little <laughs> office with the paintbrush. That's Just what I imagine. Painting little Zoe Instagrams. Yeah, this yeah. son Pinocchio. Yeah, the quote is like a hundred a day, and Geppetto accidentally coughs and ruins one. Oh, and then they put oh, them no. in the betrayal legacy. Yeah, they're like, ah, oh, good enough. <laughs> this yeah. this one's pants are green and blue. Wasted. <laughs> So yeah, that uh, that's pretty much like betrayal in a nutshell. That's all. I think of betrayal. we really. That's I think we like betrayal. it. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Though, like now we're never going to talk about betrayal again because I think we've talked about betrayal in every episode because it, it is it is worthy of talking about. But I, you know, well, I can I can imagine we'll clip a, a segment from the show probably about five minutes ago where we're talking about game storage in a few weeks. And we'll be like, unlike Owen, that monster who just <laughs> yeah. throws everything into bags. Yeah. Oh, my God. So when we were playing a big game, like we were playing TI the other day, like Twilight Imperium. And it was like we were finishing up. And I'm like, I and everybody's like, do you want to like help? Do you want help packing this up? And I was like, no. And I just like grab everything. and just start throwing things in the box. and like, I'll sort this all out later. Just because I was like, oh, I got to get this put away. 
Obviously. And have you sorted it yet? Oh, I did. I sorted it like the next day. It's like my favorite thing is like sorting board games. I'm a weirdo. There is something uh, very, I don't know, zen about that. Yeah. Organization. It's beautiful. Uh, yeah. So we have a special recording that we did of uh, our our gameplay of Betrayal at House on the Hill. Um, so that's going to be up on our YouTube channel for everyone to peruse um so give that a give that a watch um that was a good time i, re- I really enjoyed it that was a good that was time. a lot of fun we'll have to do more we're yeah we'll have to do do many more because many was, many more yeah many. We're, we're planning on on eventually starting to record more gameplays either live well not like live but in person um and also digital ones on tabletop simulator and other other platforms as we find them. Um, I think we are, we're thinking about doing Lords of Waterdeep, which is another great oh, game. So fun. Yeah, I kind of don't want to play that game again because I'm one and oh, so I'd rather just retire on top. You don't want to go two and oh, you don't want to double, double your win yeah, streak, double down, put it all yeah. in black. No, retire on top, man. I now know the, <laughs> I know some of the like fundamental strats of that game. And do you think I remember them? No. Okay, okay, we're just going to gang up on Davy Boy. That's all we got to do. Okay, I'm in. That's yeah. pretty much what happens. So, uh, so that's everything for this episode. If you guys like what you've heard, uh, be sure to check out our Instagram, Facebook, and we post stuff on there all the time. No, we don't. But we're starting to, right, John? Yes. <laughs> always check out my Instagram. I need more followers. What is it? It's Axis and Ales. And what you know, do you post about Owen? I post about board games. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> like literally, my Instagram is like one hundred percent board games. Yeah. So, so uh, upcoming in two weeks, we're gonna have a show about what are we talking about? I uh, honestly we're gonna have a show know. about board games. We'll leave it at that <laughs> because you know things could change. Yeah. I, I think it is packaging of games or Kickstarters, one of the two. Something like that. FOMO, fear of missing out. You know, we should start talking uh, about video games. Those are pretty cool. Now, if you want to listen to uh, a show about video games, come listen to us this Friday where we talk about all the latest news. All the latest news about video games and yeah. movies. <laughs> and movies. Cool. All right. So. <laughs> All right. For <laughs> for myself, for David, me, and our good pal Owen. And me. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks on another exciting episode of Three Men and a Meeple.